Doom, doom, doom. Man, peace and greetings. Uh, welcome back to We're All Just Plant Food Anyway. Um, on the first episode, uh, talked about integration. And on the second episode, we're going to talk about integration again. I guess I, I had some more thoughts that I guess I didn't get out in the first one. So I'll just talk about it again in the second one and, and just see. Um, and so as I was listening, re-listening to the first episode, one of the things that came to mind for me was like, why was integration ever an option in the first place? Like if this was the mindset if it, hmm, if slavery was an opportunity or was a possibility based on the way that a certain group of people viewed another group of people, why would that group of people who was enslaved ever consider integration an option unless the mindset of the people was somehow changing or developing? And so we look now and the mindset of the people in power is still not changing of those that they continue to oppress. And I guess the only reason that I'm, I'm even considering it or talking about this, because it's like, if the thing isn't working, why do we keep contributing to it? Um, I was watching some some highlights today from the NFL and most of the highlights were black and brown people. And so even at the highest level of entertainment, the bodies of African-Americans are still being put at risk for the entertainment of others. And then the level at which we indulge we being African-Americans, the, the level at which we indulge in this entertainment at the expense of black bodies is astronomical. Um, and I've seen black and brown people participate in, in, in fantasy sports to the point where they jokingly will celebrate the injury of another person because of the benefits they receive in their fantasy sports. And it's so interesting to me that we will, will participate in fantasy sports and we'll participate in the, in the ultimately like the sacrifice because we look at the NFL and we look at CTE and we look at how it impacts players but we look at the percentage of, but then we look at the percentage of African-Americans in the NFL and we look at the positions that they're playing and we look at the risk that they're putting their bodies at for entertainment. And then we say that this opportunity for them to advance in, li in their lives because of the money that they make and then the opportunities that their families have because of the money that they make we're willing to see them put their lives at risk. And, you know, you say, oh, they're not putting their lives at risk. 
But in actuality, they are because we look at the damages of CTE. We look at the, the, the damages to, to their bodies and we see how they, once they retire, the, the, the degradation of the mind, the degradation of the body. And, and, but why are we okay with this? Why are we okay with this being an option for access and the option for opportunity? And yeah, I mean like, okay, well, what are the other options? And I don't know. I think that's a question that we can begin that we can begin to 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 dissect. Um, because like they don't just these players don't just make it to the NFL. And my I guess my comparison to the NFL is would be like um we look at the NFL as like a microcosm of a much bigger issue, which is black and brown bodies being put at risk for the entertainment and the service of, at this point, everyone, because we engage in the entertainment just as much, we engage in the service just as much, and ultimately that is a result of the integration where now not only are our black and brown bodies being exploited, but our black and brown bodies are being exploited by other black and brown bodies. And because we can afford not to have our labor exploited, then we get to be the ones who exploit. And if we, if left to our own devices, um, and, you know, the opportunities have been presented in such a way where uh, after slavery, these towns were able to be built up. We look at uh, Oklahoma. I think that's one like the Tulsa, Oklahoma area. That's one that a lot of people are familiar with now, but it's not the only one. Um, and we look at what happened, like when the mindset of those who are deemed to be superior. Um, and that is a, a product of society. Like society has been shaped in such a way that um, those that um, white people have been deemed to be superior in society. And so like when they see people who are deemed to be inferior, somehow living a better life than them, it creates this sense of jealousy because their ego is, is taking a hit. Their ego is taking a hit. And um, once the ego takes a hit, then all honestly, all bets are off. Um, and so We see what it we, we we've seen what it looks like for us to create our own for us. And it 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 thrives in certain aspects. There are other downsides, but I think that's a different that's a product of another system um, that you know we'll look to explore as well. Um, but here, you know, talking about here in the United States, one of the main things that we're looking at, and I'm just, I, and, you know, there could be rebuttals to this that, um, 
the other the integration is actually working and it's been successful for African Americans, but I'm I'm on the side of it is not and like what are the options to move forward? Um and do we look uh how do we begin to look inward into ourselves to see like, hey, this isn't working for all of us, so we need to all come together to create something that works for all of us. Um and just I don't know. I think for me, it's just the question of why would why was integration ever an option in the first place? And what were the alternatives that were being considered at the time that we can begin to look at now? Like, how do we begin to look at how we exist in this society differently? Um, how do we look to immigrant societies who made the option to come here? How do we look to them and say, okay, I see what you're doing here. How do we get this for ourselves? In the sense of we create a culture that we hold and sustain. We create community that we hold and sustain. And we choose then to bring that culture in to something else. But holding on to that culture um, and not letting everyone have access to it. But then the question arises, like, have we done that already? Like, what is, then it comes to the question of like, what is black culture? What is black community? And how do we define it in such a way that it encompasses the, to the totality of black experience? And is there a thing that can define in totality what black experience is, or does each individual black person define their own black experience? And because that person is black and has an experience, then what they experience is then their black experience and one part of the whole. But are there, but are there key components to creating a black community that we can um, that we can define, that, do, that we can hold fast to so that we begin to learn how to operate in what is kind of like a foreign land. Um, and I think that's what a lot of immigrant communities have, right? They have um, centuries of heritage that they look back to and that helps them or helps guide them when they are um, operating in a foreign land. And this has been, and for immigrants, this is still like a foreign land and it's slowly becoming home to a lot of generations of immigrants. Um, but like for white Americans, you know, they'll, they have the opportunity to say, well, I'm not white. I'm Italian or I'm Irish or I'm English or I'm German. Um, but for African-Americans, there's not that, you know, there's still this sense of, uh, of loss, right? Like we can, we'll be like, oh, well, I'm, I'm African-American, but what does that mean? What does it mean to be African-American? Um, what are the culture, what are the cultural signifiers of being African-American. Um, 
even even for the Caribbean, like <clears throat> uh, seeing in the Caribbean, um, like uh, for for instance, like uh, Jamaica, seeing the connections that Jamaica has to like a place like Ghana and even visiting Ghana and seeing um, like bits and pieces of, of Jamaica there um, and really seeing that connection. And then, and then for Jamaicans, like having that cultural pride of being Jamaican um, and having this place to be from that is separate from the that is separate from your previous oppressor still having like um still having cultural um impacts from the oppressor but still having this thing that's separate from them and your interaction and your engagement with the oppressor is by choice rather than by force and i think that for a lot of african americans um, in the United States, there's this, there's this interaction by force, it feels, where in the ways that we've been separated, um, there's, it feels like there's been this, uh, this separation through oppression, um, and so that's when you look at like redlining, where they denied us access to housing. Um, we look at, and so we look at redlining where they denied us access to housing and then they denied, and then through that denied us access to, to food. Um, and we look at those redlining areas which are also correlated with being food deserts, which means that we have limited access to healthy foods um, and things of that nature. And so if you listen to episode one, you, under, you know for me that I, those aren't things that I actually grew up with, but the fact that people who look like me are having to deal with these things on a consistent basis and then we're expecting them to still produce in a society where the people who produce at the highest levels or, or who are able to produce at the highest levels don't have these issues of access to worry about, don't have these issues of daily oppression to worry about. And so then how can we expect people to operate at the same capacity without having the same access? And then at that point, it's, okay, we'll keep expectations for everybody the same, but we won't give everybody the same access to the things that we have deemed necessary for production. Um, and it's, and from, and I don't know, I guess, and then it, and then it gets to the question, like, if this is what we're seeing as a result of integration, then is integration still a viable solution or is the separation necessary for us to establish something for ourselves? And then once we establish that thing for ourselves, then we have the opportunity to make a choice to connect. When integration 
was it seems like when integration was going on, we were looking for separate but equal and we never got that equal. And so we always had to have our hands out or African-Americans, it seems like always had to have their hands out once integration happened, waiting for the masters to give them stuff rather than this need or this want to create things for ourselves. And I think that's that's slowly changing where we're like, no, like, I don't want to have to wait for you to give me this thing for me to have this thing. Or I don't want to have to continue to yell at you to tell you that we are worthy of this thing. Let's just do this thing ourselves and take care of it on our own. But one thing that integration did give us was access to what we would deem as better because of society and or is giving us access to convenience where we got the thing, but we we necessarily the work that we put in for the thing wasn't to build the thing. The work that we put in was to tell somebody that we were worthy of the thing and then they gave us the thing. But then we didn't necessarily have the blueprints to build the thing the way it would fit for us. And so with that, man, I think as, as one of my, as one of my uh, good friends and uh, counterparts would say is, man, we need, blue, we need new blueprints. We can't keep building the same things, expecting different results from the things that we're building. We need, we need new blueprints. We need to put in the work to build things for ourselves. We need it to not look the best. We need to assess what works and what doesn't work for us and not just accept what the master is giving us. But I don't know, at the end of the day, this is just my perspective and hopefully unanswered questions will lead to open dialogue about the topic to see like, what can we do differently that can produce different outcomes, not just for some of us, but for all of us. And are we okay? Like, are we continually okay with the, the suffering that we're experiencing in our communities. Um, having to hear about like the choices that people are having to make um, just, to, just to survive. Um, this idea of just being in survival rather than experiencing the fruitfulness that, is, that there is to experience um, in this world. Um, going to different places and seeing the amount of resources that are readily available, but still seeing people not have access to them. And it's just an interesting, it's just so interesting to me to see like how prevalent resources are, but then to see that people will be willing to hoard these resources. Um, and deny people access because, because of what? 
And I don't know. I don't know. I think that's the, that is going to be like a recurring theme is I don't know. And at this point, I don't know if I'm okay with not knowing. Um, I'd like to do work to, to figure some stuff out. But at this point, I don't know. And I don't know if I'm okay that I don't know. Um, but I think one thing that I do know is that where we currently are isn't working for everybody. And I know that I'm not okay with that. Um, I'd like to do more than just talk about it. I'd like to actually do something about it. But being one person, it is a bit tough. Um, but it's not impossible. So, I mean, as we continue these conversations, hopefully um, ideas begin to be, um, ideas begin to unfold in the minds of the people who have the propensity to do some of the work that is being asked. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I'll continue to question. Um, and then don't forget at the end of the day, we're all just plant food anyway. Peace. <laughs>